listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. It's just sad. I had one, so I do a bracket and I, you know, I put it out and um, over the years I've done like shockingly good. And it's a combination, because I'm not an NCAA guy, basketball guy, but I have guys like Dave Essler, who is outstanding at it at pregame.com. AJ Hoffman, who was on the show two days last week in studio. You can't listen to him and not know how good he is at this stuff. Fez is a master of swooping in late, figuring out all the kind of edges, and he does great at it. So I combine those three, typically, typically. Then I get to history. How many 16s win? Well, hardly any. Well, let's say play Virginia. Well, how many number twos get beat by the number 15? Well, every five years or so. So you don't have many of those. But I ended up having a pretty chalky bracket. And then I started looking deeper and I said, you know, Ohio State, which again, I tend to bet against the high state just because I don't want to have an emotional, you know, and I don't really care about basketball that much. So I wasn't any bias towards Ohio State, but there's a couple sites that will assess how many people are betting each or picking each of the teams. So what they say is if you look at the truth of how much they should win based on, let's say, Ken Palm or whatever. Ah. Compared to how, this is what they do in Daily Fantasy, compared to how many people are picking them, you can see if there's an overlay or an underlay. So Gonzaga is a team everyone loves, and they are a clear favorite to win this tournament, but they're actually overpicked. If you look at the number of people having them advancing, it's more than their chance of winning. So it's like, if anything, you're losing value in theory picking Gonzaga. Now, if you have a different opinion how good Gonzaga is relative to the computers, then that can adjust things too. But considering how popular a pick is going to be is very important. Steve, that's something that you do a lot in contests and stuff, but I don't think in the brackets you don't think like that. It doesn't seem like. No, and it's but it is the way to think about things. If, if half of the people are picking Gonzaga to win, mm-hmm. and well, let's keep it a little simpler answer. Let's say that eight nine there's a, an eight nine decision, and let's say sixty percent of the people are picking the eight. All right. If you think there's a fifty one percent chance that the eight wins, you should pick the nine. Yeah, if you want to be contrarian, exactly. But let's explain why contrarian. Because ultimately, it's who gets the most points is going to be the winner. So you'd rather if you had a, like a great day, but everyone had a great day or tournament, you might have a ninety eight percent win rate, but you still lose. I'd rather have a forty percent win rate and win. Yes. And I know it's not going to be that extreme, but it's always it's when are you going to be right that other people are wrong. That's the way to think about this stuff. And to me, I looked at, and again, this was something that was promoted by sites that do this analysis, multiple ones that do this analysis. Ohio State had as good as any, at least they thought at the time, as good as any chance at the to make the Final Four amongst the two seeds. And they were picked the least to make the Final Four amongst the twos. So I'm like, perfect. I wasn't crazy about the number one in that bracket. And refresh my memory, who's number one in that bracket? Baylor. Yeah. Oh, so Baylor's a team that's got a down arrow with a lot of people, and I think rightfully so. Post-COVID, they've struggled. Exactly. And we don't know. Maybe they're going to perk back up, but we'll see. But then I thought, okay, Buckeye's a little underrated because they were in the Big Ten, and that's so tough. Huh. All right, I'm going to make this... The only number one I didn't make make the finals or the final four because I went chalk because it just felt right. 
And lo and behold, they lose on the first day. Well, and nobody does more research on this in all bracketology than you do. Let's be clear. I do a ton on the history of the Mm -hmm. brackets, not the individual teams. But But it makes sense. And you know that historically, hey, maybe one or two of the number ones make the final four. Not Mm -hmm. all of them. I I just couldn't find the win. Like the other one I was thinking Mm -hmm. a lot about. And you know what we'll do? I'll talk a little bit about the. Oh, there's your. Yeah, I'll just take this bright. Is I was thinking about having Texas go. That was like the next one, but it's tough. And listen, everyone listening is going to understand what I'm. What, what this phenomenon right here? I'm RJ Bell, straight out of Vegas. It's hard to look and say this team that I clearly know is better is going to lose against this team I clearly know is inferior. Right, Because in any given one situation, the better team is going to win more often, mm-hmm. you know, a better chance of winning. But if you know historically, let's say you've got a – here's a great analogy. You've got a, one die, not dice, but one of the two pair of dice, right? So you've got one die. And if I say, you're going to roll a six? What are you going to say? No. Every time you're going to say no. But you know if you roll it 600 times, there's going to be about 100 sixes. Yes. When do you choose the six? Meaning if if I just kept saying yes or no, six this time, it's like it's weird because we think both in this instance and this is why statistics and probability is so difficult. Not that it's so hard to kind of do the math because the simple probability is simple. It's that how do we as humans deal with it because we think about things in a way that our evolution is there. That's why fear and anxiety is so common. And again, I'm not a sociologist, but this is things you read about is back in the day, if there was a rustling behind the tree in the jungle five, seven thousand years ago, you could be right 99 straight times. That there, that's not anything to be worried about. But the 100th time, it's a tiger. You get eaten. And you know what? You're not having any kids. Your genes are not moving on. Yeah. So then it's like, who keeps moving on? In this case, propagating the species. It's going to be the people who have anxiety, that are scared. So now it's like, okay, that's just generation. Now, in today's society, maybe that's not the case. And if, if this society stayed this way for thousands of years, tens of th- then it would affect the biology mm-hmm. of it. Because we forget the fact that we're talking about you know, hundreds of thousands of years in a way. I know that history only began, whatever, 3,000 years ago. We got like good history, but it's, it's a fascinating. And you might think, RJ, this is too esoteric. It's too out there. It's like, no, this is the battle. It's almost like with a belly, right? I've had belly a lot of my life. I'm thinner, a little thinner now. And, but here's the thing. Most of the time when sugar was available, you ate all you could because it's like there hardly was any sugar, anything sweet. And drought could be coming, right? So let's have a little surplus just in case. It was more, it was even, it wasn't just like, hey, we deserve it. It was like, we need this energy to survive when there's a winter and we're going to be in the cave just shivering all the time. But now you go to 7 Eleven and if you got, if you have any kind of money, you can buy all the sugar you want. But your body's still craving it like it's like some rare delicacy. So a lot of life is trying to figure out how to deal with these ancient urges. In a modern society. And that's how I lost the Ohio State. <laughs> I mean, to bring this all the way back around. <laughs> but it is a challenge. And that's why we're here, to try to help figure it out. And I think we kind of do. So, 
was there anything about the Ohio State loss, this will be the last thing we'll take our first break, that you think is indicative moving forward? Because we want to talk about what happens, but we also want to say, how do we apply it moving forward? Now, one of the things we always do is if one conference starts to do really well or really poorly, we take a look at that because that means we upgrade or downgrade based on if they do well, because we're saying they mostly aren't playing cross-conference, so they're playing amongst themselves. So maybe we've overrated the Big Ten. Maybe we've. Do you, is this start the conversation? We've overrated the Big Ten. Yes. So we look back to last night. So Michigan State closes as a solid two and a half point favorite. They go down to UCLA. So now Illinois looked very good today, but that was a sixteen versus a yeah, one. Yeah, that's a, that's about will to get an edge. Exactly right. So now we've got two data points that hmm, we're questioning how good is the Big Ten really. So the Big Ten is officially on overrated watch. I would say. I think that's a very fair way of saying. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think that we do got to put the question mark out there about the Big Ten. And yes. it's not saying that we believe that the, the you know couple data points – and did Illinois cover? They, had a, they were 23 points. They did. All right. So if we just use the spread as a proxy for expectation, which is the best thing it can be, really, it's probably that more than anything, it is, hey, this is what's expected. And thus, it's a 50-50 bet. And someone that thinks they can assess what's going to happen better than the market says, I'll bet you. I think it's And that back and forth moves the line. And ultimately, at the close, you've got the wisdom of crowds, a lot of sharp people saying, we generally agree with this line, because if we didn't, we would keep betting it. When a line's moving and it stops moving, it's the better saying, that's enough. It's a, there's no more value there. And to me, that is uh, such a beautiful thing in a way, it is, is how everyone gets a vote. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, your political beliefs. In fact, you don't only just get a vote. You get to vote as much as you want based on your bankroll. If you want to bet as much as you can, then you, you, your opinion matters more. And for there to be a gauge on what we think of anything because of that kind of voting, it's a beautiful representation. And right now, any of these, Gonzaga, by the whole world's opinion, has a better chance to win this tournament than anyone else. And if you disagree, you could make a million dollars. But if you did bet a million dollars on it, the line would move a little bit and say, that guy might know something. Or that gal might know something. And that's the beauty. And what's amazing is that if you ever want to wonder how much the really smart people trust the markets, it's the following. The Pentagon wanted for years to start a prediction market on terrorist attacks. Because they figured if there's any way to root out some kind of cell that was planning an attack, 
with someone would let's say they were going to be a suicide, whatever bomber, they would tell their girlfriend, their wife, or whatever, bet on this, which would be effectively an attack in this city on this day. And the computers would be kind of watching the bets come in and say red flags. This is inordinate betting on this. And it'd be a predictor hmm. of where things might happen. Now, isn't that like an amazing concept? And if you close your eyes, you can imagine that happening. Where if there was a real big market on anything like that, anything that, let's say, could predict something bad, anyone that had any insight into it happening would be so tempted to bet it. But the act of betting it, would have an effect on the market that could help you stop it. Yes. So it's a very complex concept, but what you should be sure of is if Vegas is moving one way, that there's a lot of, or there's big money going that way. The big money's not always right, but you don't want to ignore big money. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. So Saturday, now we're not going to try to like say one game's the most important. Just give me the game and give me what you think is important. Maybe one thing about it: UCLA BYU. Okay, so what I know about this is blue blood UCLA. BYU underrated in general is is the vibe I've been getting. Yeah, and a re- so what's the line in this game? Four. BYU is laying four now and. UCLA is really up against it, RJ, because remember, they had to play an overtime game against Michigan State last night, went late, and there was a key injury. Their leading scorer is questionable, Ju Zhang, for UCLA. This is a UCLA team, though, is so already. You were telling his religion before the. <laughs> oh, wait, what? Say it again? Ju Zhang, I believe, is okay, the okay. pronunciation. So UCLA was already <laughs> down two guys from their team, and now he's questionable, their leading scorer. It's a really. Um, I don't know if they're, how they're going to hold up in this game against BYU. I'm the Catholic RJ Bell with. Is that the way? No, I know. <laughs> All right. So I kind of agree with what you're saying in that if you have fatigue and then you have, it's a short turnaround anyway. And then you have, hey, is this player going to be available? There's a lot of uncertainty that doesn't help. It's almost worse than if you just knew he was out. Mm. Then you could almost you know, plan for it, even with the short period of time. So what's the prospects of him playing? Uh, and the last name is? Zhu Zhang. That's his whole life. Wow. It's a, okay. That's a tough name. Is Zhu Zhang is what's the prospects? He's questionable. Which means probably 60 to 70% chance he plays. Yes. Because usually questionable sounds like 50 50, but doubtful tends towards 50 50. Except during the overtime, he did have to be carried off the court when he got injured. So it didn't look good. Well, last Paul night. Pierce was in like a wheelchair once <laughs> yeah. right before he went. So, but that's an interesting point. And the thing about college basketball, is or college football, they don't have uh, the NCAA is not hardcore on you got to report these injuries at a certain time and a certain methodology. The NFL is though they're imperfect with it, they do better. The NFL does college, not as much because the other team is thinking or the team with the injured player, why should I tell the other team what to get ready for? Mm-hmm. So, what I would say is if you are very interested in this, is the beat writers do a good job. They get kind of wind, hey, he's probably not going to play, and they'll put it out there. So, betters really, they don't look at the official, the professionals, as much as what the people in the know are saying. Yes. So, I would say if you're interested, try to find that on Twitter. Anything else in that game? Nothing else. And what kind of line move was there with the injury? Open three, went up to four, one point. Okay. So, that is, um, so reset the game. BYU is now favored by four points over UCLA, went up one point. 
from three to four because of the injury. We're uncertain if Juzang is going to play. All right. Straight out of Vegas, I'm RJ Bell. What's the next game? All right, let's talk VCU Oregon. All right, so VCU is Virginia Commonwealth. Yes, Oregon's laying minus five and a half. I wanted to ask you about so, this. I'm one. sorry, laying what? Laying five and a half points. Okay, go ahead. Okay, this game starts seven o'clock Pacific, ten o'clock East Coast. I think advantage to the West Coast team, Oregon. We saw that in the Michigan State UCLA game. I think that game went well into the night last night, and I think it did benefit UCLA. Uh, we don't know that. We don't know. That's just one game, but there is theories. I think they call it draconian or draconian rhythms. Circa- circadian. Circadian. Okay. Yes. And the idea is, hey, at ten at night, all of us. Our local time feel differently than at noon, than at six in the morning. And some people are morning people, some people are night people. But in general, if it's early, if it's later night, you'd rather be that it's three hours earlier to your body clock than it is to your opponents. And because of that, I think it's a situation that the West Coast teams benefit in the night games. And it's something we see on Monday night football, Sunday night football, long term, West Coast teams play better. You uh, Final word on this game? There's one more game that applies. Uh, San Diego State. All right. So, San Diego State's a team, because it's a late game on the West Coast, you're saying, not that you play that automatically, but yeah, it's a small advantage in their favor. And uh, Fez, you've got a best bet on OU. We won't be able to run the whole thing down, but Ohio University plus seven over Virginia, that's a best bet. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.